This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for Sensing Bros, a program about whānau, well-being and personal growth. This program is about natural buzz. There's a group of us brothers who are living alcohol and drug free and we want to share our stories and celebrate the things that are going right in the world. There's a lot of negativity, we're about positivity. We come from diverse cultural backgrounds, Samoan, Tongan, Māori, and we just want to share the love. Kia ora koutou. Welcome back to another year in 2021. It's an exciting year, and uh, here of another show of Sensing Bros. So, uh, Marlo Phil. Oh, Marlo, brother, thank you for that um, for that welcome, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but do you really mean that? <laughs> it's sort of like it's been the weirdest thing to say to people. Happy New Year. Eh? Yeah. So, and I suppose, yeah. Twenty twenty was quite a big tiring year. Eh? For, I think for a lot of people, it felt like it was two years in one. Like yeah, such a long year. It's a good way of putting it, man. Two years in one. Yeah. And um, I was thinking about kind of doing a review, and then I watched a couple of reviews of 2020, and I couldn't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just—it was just sort of like, wow. Sometimes you just don't need to revisit. Mm. No. Stuff you need to kind of like go. Oh. Yeah. It's so so horrible for um, a number of people, a number of families, and. A number of countries eh, with um, the pandemic, but one of the silver lining for for me and, and a lot of families that I know is that um, people had time with family. You know, it stopped to take time with, with their whanau, and I think that was one of the one of the real positives of it. That through lockdown, people just stopped and remembered the important things eh, about being with family and taking the time. If there's any silver lining, actually. For, that's such a good reminder, man. Because for me, that was the thing. I think that I um, most value. Mm. Yeah. So, so I had, yeah, some of the um, best experiences in years. You know, just stopping and having time with Fana. Yeah. Couldn't for go sure. anywhere else. Didn't have to think about anything. Just yeah. Yeah. So that was really a positive. For me and, and, and a lot of families that, that I'm aware of. But also now on the other side, it was quite stressful and hard for a lot of families too. With the loss of employment and everything else that um, COVID brought. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, so although it was a silver lining and, and for some families it was, there were some positives about it. There was a lot of um, families that, that struggled through that, which, which was, um, you know, heartbreaking. To know that a lot of families were struggling through those times, and and post COVID, are now struggling, you know, with loss of employment, um, which is really sad. And really sad to, to see and, and hear what's happening overseas as well. Um, it's really still quite um, frightening to think that you know, obviously, this thing hasn't finished, and it's hard to know when the date is that it, that it will come to some kind of. Um, some conclusion um, but still yeah, yeah 
that's a really good point, man, because I've been thinking about, you know, when we were in the thick of the lockdowns, level, levels. Yeah. And then coming out of that, um, just before Christmas, sort of kind of like feeling a little bit more like this is a normal space, mm. but also recognising that it's not. Yeah. And the significance of what's happening and the consequential impact on people in terms of their labour and their aspirations and their hopes and their anxieties and the uncertainty that that is in front of everybody yeah. it's not going to travel back it's sort of like the world is this place now where um the science fiction of a pandemic has become a reality mm. and we're going to mm. the real repercussions you know um, are still still to be kind of worked through mm. yeah I agree yeah it's that anxiety and worry around that eh yeah the worry eh yeah, yeah. what that looks like because yeah. you're right like it's kind of like, when I think about travelling overseas it's kind of like when we have the confidence and trust to, to be able to do that too yeah well, right now, I'm quite happy not to th- to um, make any plans around that. You know, you do start thinking about border control a lot more, eh? Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. It's a hard one, eh? Because um, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and it's kind of one side you can say, you can simply say, yep, let's just close the borders yeah. for anyone coming in. Yeah. Because of these, this new strain that's coming through, um, the, you know, the anxiety around that. But if it was your family and... Um, say for someone coming over because of a, a death of a loved one or something, how would you feel about it? You know, yeah. So it can be quite different when it's it's your family or what's happening for you in terms of coming over. In terms of um, thinking it's quite an easy decision just to close the borders and not let people through. But then when it when it's mm. close to home, you, you can think quite differently about it. Though that some people probably do still need to come back. So what gives gives you hope? Um, for the year for the year that's ahead of you right yeah I think um, through the past year in 2020 as well even although there was lots of tragedy and, and trauma and, and worries and illness and death um, there was also some um, real stop right here that's enough I thought well oh, man is this list going to keep going yeah, yeah. But, but through that heartache was, yeah yeah but through there, there were some significant um, shifts for mankind, I think. Yeah. Um, through all that heartache and trauma, because, um, you know, with the Black Lives Matters movement. Yeah, significant. Um, that it's been an eye-opener for the world, not just for the United States, but for all other countries too, in terms of how we deal with our neighbours. And I think it's a real opportunity that, that's um, now going to create this opportunity for everyone just to get along. Um, and not Love just it. get along, but yeah. all on the strengths from each other, right? and know that and value each other so I think this year for me it brings hope that um, we can continue to have these conversations that are important um, and, and making sure that everyone is heard and feels like they're valued in this, in this world because mm. we're, all, we're all human and um, mm. we should all be treated and loved the mm. same and we all bleed the same colour so I think that this year definitely starts to bring that those those opportunities, that, that hope that actually in society as mankind we can we can actually do better as a race, as a human race. It's really interesting. I've been reading um, 
in, in watching a lot of YouTubes, but uh, around you know people talking from different perspectives around our sense of origins or our belief in where our origins come from. And there's a geneticist called Adam Rutherford. And Adam Rutherford, um, very interesting, science communicator, eh? Um, says it's about, depending on when you sort of measure the beginning, being about 107 billion people that have ever existed. And and as humans, modern humans, and um, which is quite a significant number, yeah, it's huge, yeah. And you sort of wonder, well, I'm writing the, this book, right? And so mm. one of the things I was pondering, which I won't ever have an answer to, on this side of the veil, is um, of those 107 billion, how many really were thrilled to exist? Mm. Mm, you know and I've been listening to discussions around whether or not humanity has morally progressed mm. you know over the last 500 years sort of thing mm. um, and particularly um, you know there's a view that, that we human nature by nature is really awful mm. and, yeah. and ugly um, mm. there's another view that human nature is actually not that it's um, people generally are very good willed and kind hearted and I believe that man I just have an, I just believe that's true yeah so do I yeah, mm. um, yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting they're not always mm. at the people who are in making the oh sorry no 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 the decision makers and stuff and, not, and, and, and in terms of power and, yeah because obviously for 2020 we're it's been a huge year for Trump as well with the loss of, of his fall of grace you know with, with now with Biden yeah um, being the new president and but what it shows is that Trump is not alone in his beliefs and thoughts no 75 so, million voted yeah in favour of of Trump yeah that's right yeah but he is a he has a strong mouth you know mouthpiece for those people yeah and um, a dictator who can be influential like that it shows the power of that too, eh? It does. Of bringing all that, bringing really, it out. A really good example of how authoritarian, authoritarian mm. um, leadership yeah. can work and manipulate and, you know, um, really be seen as a kind of an idol for white supremacists mm-hmm. so yeah. you don't really have to be that clued up in terms of an academic or anything like that because um, you know he's kind of viewed as quite a simple man you know this has yeah. really yeah. exposed his um, his his ability cognitively you know around COVID and you know decisions he was making and in some of his presentations yeah um, and so it just shows that you don't have to be that's smart, really, to be able to lead so many people to follow you. Eh? Oh, you don't just, need to be an academic. Yeah? No, it's like that. Um, just as long as you say some hateful things, yeah, people get on that bandwagon, and yeah, you can strike. You can strike. Yeah, you, because you're striking the um, that that fear and that psychological need for safety. Yeah, you know, that's it. 
So whether you're looking at it and saying, ah, society's in a moral decline, mm. um, strong, the strong man leader sort of kind of represents, um, you know, a, a really simplistic way of looking at, yeah. at what's gone wrong. Um, but it's kind of like this. And I can, yeah. I can attach myself to that because he's, not me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the psychology behind um, yeah. why people fall behind um, leadership that's authoritarian. Yeah. yeah. Like that whole new right evangelical yeah. Christian nationalist, you know, mixing messages around um, yeah. around moral, divine moral mm. kind of like um, superiority. Mm. Um, it was a bit like his whole slogan Make, make America Great. great. Yeah. Mega. And so when was it great? And yeah, so what is that's what exactly what I thought. Yeah, I thought, again. Yeah. yeah, so what he's trying to say really is make make America hate again. Mm. Um, hate speech, bro. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the hate, the coloured people. It's quite. Yeah, you think that. Well, I thought anyway that society were moving forward. Yeah, you know, so much we advanced in terms of what's right, what's not right, in terms of you know the. Um, Mm. With the movement that's happened in America, with you know civil rights movement, and and how things in the past had been in the past, and then all of a sudden you get a leader like that, who has a fellowship of seventy-five mil, and it makes you think. Actually, I thought we haven't actually moved on that far at all. Mm. You know, from all those years of slavery and that, it's actually we haven't moved far at all. It really wakes you up, eh? And you know, it gives you that that real sad feeling. Um, but again, you know, I, I carry that hope because I think it's. And the world has really woken up to um, people's rights around them, what's been happening. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I do too. I, and I sense that 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 um that that the next you know ten years are about the resetting of a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It gives me hope, hey. Yeah. Okay, so that's what that's um. Mm. At a, at a, um, in terms of your profession, you know, as a counsellor and educator, yeah. what gives you a sense of progress in that space, even in the context mm-hmm. that we're in? Yeah, well, I think the, the that with well-being being a focus, and now, and I think there's been like with a lot of the positive campaigning with John Kerwin, you know, I think he instigated some of those conversations. You know, being an all black, he's come out and talked about his mental well-being and, and the issues he went through, the challenges. Um, and then there's been others since that have come out and been quite open. And I think now it's becoming more. Um, it's not seen as it used to be. That, you know, the, the block blockage to go get seeking help that I think now there's been more of a, um, you know, better, there's been better access for people to go and seek, to see it as something that's a strength, not a weakness. Um, it's still got a bit of work to do, but we've come a long way. So I think that people are accessing help more now. And I think with well-being being prioritised by our leader here in this country, that's helped that, that, that shift that mindset, mm. that actually... Seeing someone talking about stuff that, that matters um, really helps to lift off of your chest because, 
Yeah, we do have an issue of suicide, especially for young people in our country, especially for Māori and Pacific. It's just some of the highest rates in the world. So I have hope that these rates will change over time. But it's going to come with some work. You know, we've got to um, we've got to work with practitioners. We've got to work with public health and, and secondary health. Um, we've got to look at changing the way that we work. You know, and I think that now those conversations can be had because of what's been happening in the world in 2020. Can we talk? <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a lot to be thankful for in 2020. Although there's lots of <laughs> trauma and death, there's there's been a lot of a lot that's come out that's really um, that hasn't happened in hundreds of years that, and now it's given us opportunity to have these these really important conversations so I'm thinking bro you know as we were talking earlier around um, just re- renaming our show Sensing Bros uh, See No Stranger yeah Which is, yeah. Sensing Strangers <laughs> Seeing <laughs> Strangers everywhere man <laughs> I see them see everywhere. No see no stranger. See yeah. no stranger, yeah. Which is, uh, I hope I pronounced her last name right, um, really inspired by the, um, this yeah. woman, Val- Valerie well, Kau, I think, K-A-U-R. Well, another yeah. way of putting that would be um, sensing whānau, eh? Oh. Because everyone's whānau. Wow, we could go that way. There's no strangers when everyone's whānau. Yeah, yeah. I still maintain that it's one of the biggest... Um, a sense of abandonment mm. and rejection uh, it is like the seed bed for all the other issues mm. that come up around mm. anger and envy. And it's what I I'm, what sits behind a lot of what what people I work with uh, if I'm in that counselling mm. space. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, and and so you know. And, and not knowing how to grieve that stuff because mm. you can't get back your childhood if you didn't mm. have a, a one that you describe as mm. really warm and loving. You, you mm. can't get your childhood back, yeah. but you can kind of reparent the way you think about it yeah. in terms of your own. Um, well, it's, it's kind of that old saying, eh? Like, um, who you're fighting for, mm. you know, and who's fighting for you. Yeah. And if, you, if you've got no one that's in your corner watching you or caring about you, well, then you are going to be ruthless as hell. Yeah. No, so, yeah. <laughs> you got the, what do you do, man? What do you do? Um, and then if you're feeling hate in the community for who you yeah. are or, or if you feel you'll be marginalised, mm. and this is why you see people, you know, some people go to gangs and that, because then they become quite ruthless. Because uh, I read an article. Um, apparently, please say there's 900 new gang members over mm. last year. Mm. Um, and there was, an, there was an interview with one, one of the guys who he started as a... He wasn't a gangster. He wasn't grown up in a gang, gangster home. So he's not a generational gangster. But he w- was work, working on the doors. He's a doorman, eh? And, um, and it was just through association that he he said he recognised that like he didn't get a lot of the, the belonging, the sense of belonging growing up. Yeah. You know? And they recruited him. Yeah. So he became a gang in yeah. the on the basis of that yeah. which just goes to show you know everybody needs somewhere mm-hmm. to say or something that they need to be feel that they're a part of part of that yeah. yeah which is another reason why that see no stranger is really quite important because yeah. you know as we were talking earlier it's a, it's about people getting 
having a real strong sense of belonging and not just being a part of something. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it's got that sense of belonging, which is healthy, has to be based on something which is healthy. Yeah. You can, I, can, I can be a part of a lot of things mm. and not really have that belonging. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's different. You've got to have love. You've got to have mm. kindness. You've got to have warmth. Well, my own, um, if I talk about my own life experiences and then and my brothers, and so he, he got asked to, well, the gang kind of took him in, the Black Power took him in when he was about 15. Mm. And then my parents had to go and get him, pull him out of, the, of their gang house. And I also joined a youth gang when I was young as well, but um, I was lucky for me, I had sport. Yeah. Because it was something that I had to go and train and, and, and attend on a Saturday, so mm. I couldn't attend some of the fights. Um, so I had, I had an out. Um, but growing up, I too didn't feel um, in the community, I felt like I wasn't valued because of the colour of my skin. Well, I couldn't really make out what it was because mm. I was, I didn't know what it was. So I used to think about it all the time. What's wrong with me, you know? What's going on? Mm. I, was, I was talking to my mum the other day and, and through primary kindergarten, she was talking to me about some of the experiences she had with me, like from kindy, that the teachers um, used to talk nasty about me. And so she pulled me out, and then my cousin got pulled out as well because of how nasty they were, the way they used to talk down. Because they used to think, they used to make you know, horrible comments, say that I was slow or there's something not right with me. Wow. And then I remember mum wow. saying, at, at primary school, I went home one day and I said, Mum, what does retarded mean? Because that's what my teacher said. And, um, and I think my mum was probably more embarrassed more than anything but I remember when I was at school I used to do a lot of looking out the window and a lot of my looking out the window and daydreaming was why am I why does society make me feel this way why does the school and why do the teachers make me feel what's what, what's going on is it my colour mm. you know, why why do I feel this way at home why am I mm. treated differently to my brothers and sisters who both had fair skin mm. and so um, I used to do a lot of thinking, and there's obviously a lot of sadness, but no one really picked that up. Mm. You know, so I had all those tests around my cognitive ability or inability. Um, had tests everything, and so um, I was made to believe I was dumb and stupid. You know, that was the answer, rather than not feeling loved and feeling a part of society. I felt stranger, you know, mm. inside a community. Um, and then growing up, getting pulled over by the police all the time, and being arrested when I was in the dairy buying lollies and then the police saying I, I know exactly why I've been arrested at 12 years old handcuffed and thrown in the back and then they're driving and then they hear on the radio that they apprehended the, the burglar and so they dropped me off at the, the, on the corner of my street and took off you know but it just made me feel that um, you know is this what's going to happen am I supposed to get arrested by police it almost drives you to to go to jail, you know, eventually, because you're thinking that they're putting all these thoughts into your head that this is, I'm a criminal, because they're following you all the time. I just get asked so many times, I just get pulled over and asked my name and where I'm going and who, I, you know, what am I doing? This is from the age of probably nine years old. Where my best friend, a Pakia guy who lived down the street from me, he didn't get pulled up once in, in our childhood, and I got pulled up probably three or four times a year, several times, yeah. So. Do you sense a message, eh? Oh, it does, big time. I remember there was an article in the paper 
in the Christchurch Press probably about 12 years ago. And they said, the police said that they, um, and they're quite upfront about it, that they follow the top 10 crime families. They follow their kids around. So when they're leaving school, they follow them. And, um, and those top 10, I think they're all Māori and Pacific. And I remember having a, um, a debate with a colleague of mine at work because she was saying, oh, that's a good thing that they're following them around. And I said, hang on, what, what makes you think that's a good thing? Just because their parents have gone to jail or been crims, why do you think that the kids need to be followed and treated that way? You know, there was, there was like a message that it was okay to follow brown people, <laughs> like it was because we're all crimps. And it was, that, that message for me was, I used to think about, am I supposed to do something bad? And it almost pushes you to do something bad or illegal, you know, because it's... It's an expectation yeah, it is. that's put on you. Yeah. That potentially you could... It's like um, it's like that movie, what do you call it, where they had these those precogs. Um, I watched it the other day. Tom Cruise is in it, you know, and he's doing the... Um, he's a cop, and these precogs have special powers to predict murders before they happen. Oh. And then they send out this this team that can um, prevent it because they've seen it. Ah, and, and so they yeah and then they just automatically imprison these people in these cylinder type things and, yeah. <laughs> you know pre-cogging the yeah. prediction it's uh, true I, could, I can segue bro into mental health because it's the same with psychosis mm. like um, um, and what I've been thinking about a, a lot is about how um, you know our way of viewing the world includes spiritual and supernatural mm-hmm. stuff yeah you know but that the, the history of mental health has been dominated by a narrative of of within the biomedical field that's right mm. that precludes that mm. those experiences and just automatically mm. will put that into a diagnosis space mm-hmm. where there's something wrong with the person and it's not real. It's yeah. either superstition um, or it's delusion. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with a number of students that um, sometimes I'll get a phone call from a counsellor from different schools because I've yeah. got, um, I've worked with a number of counsellors around Canterbury and sometimes I get a phone call about a Māori kid that the um, psychiatrist are now wanting to diagnose with schizophrenia because yeah. they're saying that they're seeing. 100% of the kids that come through and I see, they all come away feeling relieved and it's not an issue. You know, once they can make sense of what it is. That's the key, eh? Yeah. So, and it's, it's, a, um, it's the scariness and the fear of the unknown yeah. in that space. That's right. That, well, if it's treated as, a, as, a, as you're abnormal because you're having yeah. that experience. And that's, um, that's the message they're getting in their minds too. Yeah, it is. There's something wrong with me. I'm sick in the head. Until you can. No, hang on. There's actually a whole other way of of perceiving this. See that? Yeah. And the thing I do, the thing I assess is one, are they safe? Two, is what they're seeing and hearing telling them to do unsafe things? Is it unsafe to them? You know, is it going to hurt them? Or they going to make? Is it going to make them hurt others? And so when we have those conversations, and they're not the case, then. Can work through and say what's this, what's this yeah. actually meaning. What's this actually about? It's like dream interpretation type yeah. of stuff, eh? Yeah. Saying what is that dream actually telling you? Mm. you know? Yeah, and sometimes it is oh. for some. It is um, 
like some some is a spiritual thing, but some is through um, their dreams, mm. where they think it is. So when they've talked to the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist all they think is they're hearing voices in there. When actually, hearing for voices, some of them, it's yeah. dreams as yeah. well. Some it's the ancestors yeah. coming in their dreams, and the ones I've talked to, it's um, it's usually they come to their dreams because I'm worried about them. You know, they're worried about their safety. Mm. And so, um, once they've had those conversations, then they, mm. they walk on fine. Wudamu um, Nenea does a lot of that, that Māori um, tohunga for, for psychiatrists. He's got a book um, as well. So, he's I've done his training around Wairuatanga. And it's quite, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's quite good. And he's got some good examples. Huh? And he talks about the hundreds of people that have been put hospitalised and diagnosed that shouldn't have diagnosis. This is my main thing, man, at the moment. Eh? Yeah. I'm really concerned for Pacific. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, in the space, it's because huge. we talk about yeah. these sort of things yeah. really freely. Yeah. Um, there's not this sort of um, handbrake on on mm. talking about that. And, um, and when I say freely, I mean as counsellors, we. This is the other thing I was going to talk about, um, which which we talked earlier around boundaries, how boundaries have been created between the therapist and mm. the client from a maintenance perspective that don't make sense to me yeah yeah and that you know when you were talking about sense in whanau yeah well that is that is engagement yeah you know so through their um, ethics and their boundaries and the way yeah. the law is structured it's that we've like, got to be strangers not whanau eh? exactly because we're the experts and yeah what happened to that whole sentiment of we yeah 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 um and we can walk alongside each yeah. other for a while, you know. That's right. And I am not the expert in your story, Second man. Well. I'm that's not writing it. And that's what it should be. Helping professionals should be about. Yeah. Um, it's not about coming in as the expert of all the knowledge. Yeah, and this is the thing. This is the yeah. main thing that I can't... This is the main kind of cultural attitude that I see in the medical profession, you know. Because we've given them... Um, uh, a, there's a hierarchy of values mm. and it, the government still mm. is behind this when you, when I read the review I read into it you know the, mm. or, or the mental health stuff I can read into it that who's on the hierarchy of mental health expertise mm. it's still a model mm. it's still the biomedical yeah it doesn't work pathological model yeah, yeah. you know um mm. We know what's best. You know, it's important. It's an important component mm-hmm. of any kind of comprehensive assessment to look at physical yeah. well-being, right? Yeah. But when you come to mental health, it's it should be a different story. It should mm. be the that um, that more room is given for the both. Eh? For both. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And treatment shouldn't be should never just be medical alone. It should be with yeah. with some form both. of talking, yeah. counselling. Well, at the moment, some of the, so when you take someone through psych services, so at the moment they've got like a pukana atafai worker, and so you'll get someone who will come in and sit there, and and all they talk about is the, you know, in terms of their culture, what do they know about their culture in it, but it needs to be inside the assessment, and not driven by the Western model way of of the assessment. It needs to be inside the assessment, not just an add-on. Or say, oh, you, culture's over here. It's like doing a wire in the session now, and it's all you get. Yep, yep. So I'll do, I'll do as the as the Western um, approach and biomedical. 
I'll do all that side and you can just do a wider at the end there. And that's pretty much what they're giving. And so what's the value on that in terms of the treatment? That, that's oh, wow. that's, um, who's, who's handing over yeah, the analysis of the yeah. situation? Who's the expert? Eh? Who's the expert? Yeah. So yeah. quite different paradigms at work, man. Yeah. And I, Huge. But power is given to one over another. Yeah. And our current mental health policy is based mm. on um, it, it's structured um, to put above everything else the biomedical way of looking at yeah. at um, symptoms. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of what's in psychiatry does not look at um, cause causality mm. and. Uh, um, Mm. You know, so it's you can prescribe very quickly mm. once you've made a diagnosis. And, mm. the, and so there's a guy called Francis Allen who's you may have heard of him. He oversaw, mm. he chaired the um, the development of the DSM four. Yeah. Even though well, I know we've got DSM five, but yeah. And he's sort of come out and, 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 and talked a lot about his concerns around over diagnosing yeah. and over prescribing, right? Yeah. Um, Especially likes of trauma. All different sorts of things, eh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But there's another guy who was, um, who I've just his name I've just forgotten, but he 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 cheered the, um, oh, he's, he, he was head. I don't know what his official title was of the American Psychiatric Association. Mm. You know, and he, and he says it's really interesting that um, well, you know, he's full on educator and psychiatry mm. and stuff as well. That what where psychiatry actually is is at in terms of understanding mental illness. It's at a, it's what he calls level one. We don't really understand causality, but we treat mm. symptoms. Mm. You know, so we come in from a mm. Maori Pacifica worldview and mm. say, well, we've got a, a view of what our origins are and mm. why ancestry is important to us, mm. and and uh, but mm. it completely falls outside your mm. your. Um, I call it the legitimating rationale. Mm. Like com- so, com- levels of competency, yeah. Yeah. So we're mm. way over here. Mm. So put a band aid on. What, yeah. We just put a band aid on. Yeah. And how, mm. so how does that happen? How does that happen? And, mm. and part of it to me is that it's there's true. a hidden curriculum. Like yeah, yeah. It's just ignored. So yeah, that yeah. medical students will go through and then go on to do their registrar yeah. training. And how much time have they yeah. had in terms of learning? To listen. Yeah. Well, Look it's yeah, like the conversation I had earlier around um, when we think of health, if it's primary, secondary, if it's in um, if it's in that emergency, in terms of you know psychiatric, yeah, um, every experience that someone has has to be um, a positive one, and the one where there's someone who feels like they've been hurt, eh? and oh. I don't hear what you're saying because all they're doing is all they want to know is how well or unwell are you. And if you're unwell, we'll put a plaster on you to, to just hit that there's to work on those symptoms, and that's all. That's it. It's just sort of kind of gets you to a place where you you yeah. um, and you're sedated enough yeah. to kind of deal with what. Because there's a lot of people that have actually um, I hate to say this, that have successfully suicide after admission, eh? Yeah. And so after so, these this first initial contact, especially, is, is so important. That someone feels like their story's been heard, 
and they look at the trauma or whatever it is that brings them there today, eh? Because mm. that to me, bro, that kindles the sense that something can be different. Yeah. Whatever's overwhelming yeah. and confusing me, yeah. I don't have the answers. I might not have the answer today, but I can. Yeah. I've got hope that I'm going to find it something that's better. Yes, yeah, right. Once you've kindled that, yeah. And that's. You, it's not about assessing yeah. at that point, eh? It's about no. um, uh, sustaining mm. a sense of hope. Yeah. And and so yeah. I'm sorry, right, man. but I think it's got to be done through the conversation, eh? Yeah. Because you can't just have. A worker who sits alongside someone who's at the biomedical, who's the expert, and then all of a sudden say, "Oh, this fellow here will talk to you about your mouldiness," because there's got to be um, we've got to be empowering the person who's sitting beside us, and to empower it is to work in a way that that they understand, they can relate to, and connect to, and so empower is empowering someone who's from a different culture, or if it's Pacific or Maori, and make them feel of value. To make Beautiful. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. It's That's even been able to say, you know. At the beginning. Kia ora. Yeah. And then Fanunatanga at the beginning. Where yeah. are you from? Yeah. Oh. And say, so yeah. what's your wonga? But, you know, even those kind of conversations, even though they're small, are powerful because you're giving value to the person sitting in front of you. Yeah. Hey, that, that in itself. Beginning, uh, just in a way. Oh, I know. Together. It's all those messages. It's like. You know, saying, hey, look, I'm really glad you could come in today. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, man, it takes a lot of courage, bro, to get even to get into this space. Yeah. You know, just boom, yeah. boom, yeah. affirming, 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 eh? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Normalise. Yeah. Yeah, affirm, normalise. Yeah. How hard is that? Yeah. And then value their culture. Yeah. By just do some simple values or yeah. something like manakitanga or fanundatanga. Yeah. Finding out, you know, or, or making sure things are done in, in, in a tikana way in a, in a process that is safe for the client as well oh, look bro I'm I'm really um, I'm quite annoyed that for so long um, there's been no shaking of the tree uh, yeah I agree and we've had people champions out there eh? yeah. doing stuff for Māori them and that yeah. and in the Pacific but I mean, Maori don't have much of a voice, and so that means Pacific don't have a voice. Uh, that's exactly right. If this is yeah. happening with Maori, what do you think is happening with Pacific? Pacific, not even seen, bro. not even on the radar. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so I, as a counsellor in the field, you know, I'm very aware mm. that that um, there's a sort of responsibility mm. for me to actually advocate and do something in this space. Yeah. Um, and part of that is, you know, the research that I'm going to do. Yeah. So I'm not anti-psychiatry in the sense that there's not a place for it. Yeah. I'm just saying its limitations and, and yeah. um, need to be much more um, yeah. obvious. And, and, and people yeah. need to be aware that when they're seeking help, yeah. you know, because most people do come into seeking help from counsellors, psychologists, psychiatrists, say, and, and mental mm-hmm. health counsellors, um, and they're not well informed mm. Mm. Um, about what's going to happen next and how things, um, how the different worldviews can impact on, on them. Um, so they're kind of like coming into a, into a space where um, there's risks, mm. Mm. you know, 
Yeah. There's the stigmatization. There's yeah. the. Do you really understand what medi- what the mm. medicine is doing? Mm. Has has the person prescribing, mm. you know, really informed you that that um, that because I've got a guy, you know, who's gone, um, and the you know the guy he got the let's try this. So they try the drug for a while, and then I won't go into it in too much mm. detail. And then, um, you know, there's always, there's always, well, not always, but often there's this temporary relief of the symptoms, right? Mm. Mm. And then there's some sort of thing that happens, and then there's a crash, and then there's a balancing out, and then there's, mm. oh, try this. Yeah. But the conversation is about, isn't about um, working out later on how to come off mm. the medications. Mm. And you know the guy tells him, "You, you're probably going to have to be on these for life, mm. right? Mm. Who the hell knows mm. the the prediction? That's right. The prophesying that's going on yeah, in that yeah. statement is based on what? Yeah. It, you know. That's right. And so, um, and my thing is, it's not even supported by what I'm reading in terms of. Mm. The capacity and that's coming through neuroscience and around our neuro, the neuroplasticity of the mind to to. They should do it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of like going, okay. Um, but what hope does that give that person, eh? Yeah. Well, I think I think the, 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 what I was going to say about Alan Francis is is he's suggesting that you know, in psychiatry. In the assessment process, right, and then the development of a treatment plan and all of that, we need to spend a lot more time waiting and wondering mm. and getting to know the person. Yeah, and that's what's not Correct. the 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 instant fix sort of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the I don't need to get to know this person over time. Yeah. So um, it's, it's is a problem. Like, yeah, it is. So it's kind of like um. We've gone in with quantity over quality, eh? Well, we need to get back. There needs to be quality and there needs to be quality assurance. Yeah. So it's not just an assessment around yeah. diagnosis yeah. And in and out. It's it's more of um, a treatment that can enhance someone, you know, someone's well-being. Yeah. And so it's got to be, it's got to be a enhancing um, experience for yeah. someone rather than just a quick McDonald's takeaway, eh? I know, I know some psychiatrists who I have complete confidence in to do that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but generally, as a field, yeah. um, major concerns. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that sounds like. Um, but again, I, I think um, in the assessment, like you were saying, it, it doesn't give them the space and time to actually look at their story. Yeah. Because it goes straight to assessment, which is an hour usually, or longer. Okay. Which is all around their risks and, and you know, obviously yeah. their psychiatric well-being. Yeah. Rather than looking at about their their story, their life experiences, um, how they how they see themselves in this world, and their and their cult and their skin, and as a person, and acceptance, mm. looking at utu, mm. uh, looking at um, mm. you know, which we know in Pacific and Māori are really important, like mm. in terms of these curses, or, or in terms of the fa- family, what's happened in the family dynamic, all those kind of things that are important as well. Um, especially seeing where the person feels like where they're at with who they are 
you know, do they have mm. a sense of belonging, do they have a foundation, um, looking at their support, yeah. But it's almost every session should be done for, um, it needs to be an empowering and uplifting one, rather than just thinking, okay, so we're, we're going to make a diagnosis, we're going to do this, like, like we talk about the Band-Aid, but whatever experience people go through, it's got to be uplifting, because whatever experience they have in the health if it's going to the doctors if it's going to like for me I don't like going to doctors and I know we talk about it's important Māori men and Pacific need to go to doctors the reason I don't like going is because of my experiences of how I've been treated you know they're, they're usually money diminishing you know you, you um, I feel embarrassed to actually show them some of my you know if I want to get a check up and that because for one I don't trust them I don't trust that they will look after my mana you know, times I've been into doctors and that, I, I walk mm. away feeling um, like, you know, I feel like I've lost my confidence and I feel like they've, they've damaged my well-being. So why would I go there to to uplift my well-being? Mm. You know, and I think in all spheres of health, that it's got to be a positive experience for our whānau and for our people because um, otherwise, if it's not, when anything health related comes up, they won't go. Mm. Yeah. Well, my twin brother went to a service, right, in um, Primary House. I says, oh, how was it? How was the experience for you? And he says, oh, I won't go back. Yeah. You know? Yep. So um, was my father the other day, and he's got some huge health complications, but the way he was treated, and they, and they didn't even look at his notes, and they were going to do a blood transfusion in it, and it was the wrong person. <laughs> and my dad said, no, if, if off, I'm out of here. And the guy had to apologise, and then he goes, oh, my stuff up is only supposed to come for an x-ray. Um, my stuff up, he was only coming, I'm going to do all this. Yeah, he was going to do all this other treatment to him, without even looking at his notes properly. My experiences, I've had some bad experiences too, where I've been um, poorly handled. Mm. And this was when I was young, and thinking, I was thinking, like, the guy doesn't even, they don't even treat me nicely, you know, you have those feelings. Mm. Yeah. So I think yeah, any time that someone goes turns up to it, anything that's got to do with health, mm. it's really important. The experience is positive because now you're like your brother. If he's had a bad mm. experience in primary, what's, what's secondary going to be like for him when he needs help as well? Yeah. Well, secondary was really bad. <laughs> um, yeah. I, where he did get some good treatment, staff was actually in the hospital for his heart attack, ah, the cardio. Yeah. And that was it just in terms of the, how the nurses and doctor treated yeah. him? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and, and and just the sense that he was in good hands, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so important, isn't it? Yeah. That people have that sense. Or yeah. feeling valued, or at least in good hands. Yeah. Feeling safe. Yeah. But not in the mental health system many years ago. Mm. There was no... See, the thing The thing is why I'm sceptical and cautious for a number of reasons, but one of them is, um, is there was... No, there was no explanation for what he was experiencing in terms of there was a label psychosis, mm. drug, drug induced psychosis, but there was no um, explanation to me or mum or or him that made sense of what was happening to him. Mm. You know, so his treatment mm. or his recovery happened outside of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, you know that's. On a positive note, though, I went, you know, last year I went after not going to a GP um, yep. for, for many years. Um, oh, you went to a GP, eh? Yeah, I did, man. Um, and they were really good. 
Mm. Oh, Shout out to the loft. You guys are good. Oh, loft, yeah. Um, and you know, and I was, I had that in the back of my mind. How am I going to get treated, knowing that I can look at this and assess this and evaluate this? Yeah. You know, and I were, the, um, um, you know, I felt really good about seeing them. Okay. Um, so it's just the loft in Eastgate. No. Yeah. Upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Do you know how to um, access them? Is it? Yeah. Well, well, here's 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 the thing, man. Like um, at the time. They weren't taking in, in anybody new, but because I worked oh. up at the loft, there was an arrangement that they had with the agencies up the loft, oh, sort of thing, and it had to get signed off by by, the, by them. Um, yeah. oh, great. But yeah, we're we're rolling on up yeah. to see those guys. Um, I thought, and I thought, yeah, I could I could recommend well the doctor who I saw to somebody because of the way he was, um, and and yeah. also the diabetes people. Yeah. Were really okay. good, but I thought about that over some event. I thought, oh, I wonder if you've gone to no, to a GP yet. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might investigate see if there's any room up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do it, do it, because it's. Um, I'm glad I have, and and now I'm on this. But apart from that, you know, I've gone on to do um, put together a, a proper health plan for me, which is a lifestyle plan. Right. Yeah. You're so, looking good, mate. It's like you lost. I've got a little bit more energy, eh? Yeah, yeah, good. You're going to say it looks like you lost weight, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's I'm a bit lighter, but I've got yeah. a bit more energy to go with it. Yeah. Um, That's the most important thing, eh? Mm. Energy in our minds. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I'd encourage you. Having said all this stuff about um, our concerns, yeah. you know. Um, that's just the way it is, bro. I'm, I'm, in terms, of, and I, I want to get some um, research done and some academic work done to yeah. kind of um, get that those messages across to those audiences, you know. Yeah. Um, Great. And that's something I'm doing this year as well. Yeah. More of working with education and and in, um, providers of counselling. Yeah. In terms of what's important, yeah. In terms of the mother enhancing um, relationships and how important they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we should get that. Well, one of the things I really want to do is get that conference going, or that that um, around getting this stuff talked about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, and and for counsellors who, um, I guess what would be one of the key messages. For those who are really genuine, because a lot of our, mm. our people oh, yeah. are really, really, really genuine yeah. in terms of wanting to do this well, but mm. not having anything to measure how well they're doing it, mm. you know, or mm. what would you suggest? I think um, just, just remember that, you know, we're not the expert. Nice. Yeah. Just remember that actually our client has the wisdom and knowledge. And so, um, just allowing the time as well. So time, knowing that our client is the expert, I think that probably the two main things. Mm. And so, just allow the time for the for the conversation to happen. Because um, yeah, because in this, in this world it? of technology, yeah, yeah. intrusive technology, it is. Yeah, it is intrusive, isn't it? Yeah. I think. I think. 
If you would ask me the same question, thanks for asking me the same question. That's right. <laughs> I was about to. No. No. I think I think my orientation is um, is be comfortable with not knowing and not having to plan out everything for mm. other people, mm. and 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 trusting that the mere fact that somebody's seeking mm. help doesn't mean they're seeking your knowledge. Mm. Essentially, it means they're seeking a relationship that can build, that they can uh, build some confidence in figuring it out mm. for themselves. themselves. Yeah, you know, we, we can walk away from things. I don't, I, I often think, and I talk about this in terms of the re- reciprocity of the process therapeutically. Eh? Mm. Um, therapeutic alliance is the term that they, you know, counselors throw out there, but, yeah. you know, I don't like it. Because it's almost suggesting that they align with you, yeah, yeah, and your ideas about what's best for them, yeah. And I think I have a huge yeah. amount of when we're trying to deal with anxiety, you can talk about different techniques, cognitive techniques, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Um, when you're dealing with grief um, and abandonment and rejection and the deeper traumatic stuff, yeah. um, a kind ear, yeah. And, and and a framework for helping them tell their story. Yeah, I agree. Is really important. Yeah, you know because uh, you know I'm meeting some people this week. You know to think about because, um, and they're, they're they're experiencing some real invasive trauma stuff mm. that's impacting mm. on their parenting. Mm. So just yeah, traveling lightly over the moon. Traveling lightly and letting them know that you can that is helping them carry the weight. Mm. You know, so a lot of a lot of my metaphor, narrative, and conversation is is um, not about analysing mm. no. the death, all mm. the potential mm. things that could be leading into this mm. experience that they're having now. Mm. It is about listening this to their too. story and, and mm. trying to reframe a lot of it in so. a way that, mm. and it's not just about the relief of of um, the symptomatic suffering mm. mentally and emotionally mm. it's about um, you know the joy I get is when people are triumphing mm. in their own on um, yeah. their own measures of, of success eh? yeah yeah well I think um, so, it's funny you say that because I, I think some clients I've worked with mm. they won't they'll walk away and they'll make improvements in their life mm. but not attach it to me yeah which I think is amazing. Yeah, I love but, that. But if I had an evaluation form, they would think, oh, I did this on my own. Yeah. And isn't that what we're after? It's totally what we're after. Yeah. That, that's, that's when I feel that, mm, that's, it's, yeah. um, I love what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you know you're only a part of their journey for a, a yeah. short little bit of time, yeah. you know. And you remind them, mate. And that's yeah. why I just remind them, I'm not doing this, you're doing this. Yeah. You're doing all this. You're doing this good stuff. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Remember that's your. Yeah. Because we've got that in us, eh? Yeah, yeah. We realise that's what's happened for us. Yeah. You know, um, and we don't need huge. St- I mean, I. We don't need to be honoured and in, in, in mm. the way of oh, you we're the we're the yeah, guru yeah. in this yeah, person's yeah. life. Right. This is the problem with a lot of religious mm. um, and guru type mm. leadership. Yeah. The reciprocity is a power differential yeah, yeah. where knowledge is being handed over. Yeah. And um, it's almost like a 
it's almost like a thanks or worship. Or, you know, well, that's how authoritarianism yeah, yeah. is really underneath yeah. it happens, yeah. and people can get manipulated, and people can become part of sort of like cultic kind of. Yeah, feel like I'm the guru. Yeah, yeah. guru like. And and looking for that that yeah. figure all the time to kind of like. So. Whereas, what we want is for mm. people to to know that you know we need mm. each other, but at the mm. same time, um, yeah. We, we can do it. Well, I think the way I think about it too is that counselling or talking therapy or whatever it is, that support, is that a client, all they're, all they're doing is looking at a mirror. Mm. And that's all we should be is that mirror. You know, for them to see them true selves, to see their real value, mm. to see that they have got the wisdom and knowledge. Mm. And um, we're doing our job right if we can do that, mm. if, we, if we are just a mirror. That's you know, that's yes, beautiful, bro. I guess the last thing for me would be for this moment on this show is to, to um, I was really pleased at the public messaging that went out in COVID was the encouragement to be kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 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 I love it too. I love that. I mean, you think about all of the, the public minister. messaging, yeah. that was a, uh, that had meaning, that's deep. It's a lot deeper than the surface level of let's treat people. Uh, and so... Yeah, that's right. One thing I'd love to see, if there was yeah. a lockdown again in this country, mm. cross touch with there's not, yeah. hopefully we get through in these next few months especially, um, is that when if there's a lockdown, alcohol sales have to go. I mean, there's no no sale of alcohol. Because I know there's a lot of whanau out there, and a lot of people in the streets, they, what they do, they tend to go to alcohol rather than talking about what's ever going on or, and that, that feels violence and so I'm hoping as a country we can make a decision not to sell alcohol, stop selling alcohol The other thing I'd love for our next show to talk about mm-hmm. Phil, is that you touched on around grief how people deal with grief because yeah. in there I'd love to talk about spirituality because I think spirituality is another good place to go to to talk about the importance of spirituality too in terms of what they can do for people who are dealing with grief as well yeah, I'd love to yeah. Yeah. So we'll do that, man. I yeah. I um I think we'll we'll have more conversations around um also just managing anxiety. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, because I wouldn't mind um, talking to you about talking on the show about some of the things that I do. Yep. To help people. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Hey, thanks. And um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this. And let's all have a fantastic twenty twenty one. Eh? And you know, kindness matters. Eh? On that note. Love your neighbor. Um, we're all fine. people dying, children hurting, and crying. Can you practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek? Father, father.